Welcome to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. This is a deep dive into my life, my stories, my experiences, the things that I love to talk about, the things that inspire me, and my thoughts and observations about the world. This is a podcast where you'll mostly find me sharing myself uncensored, but where you will also meet amazing guests and hear about topics that will inspire you to keep learning, to keep searching for your truth, and to guide you to be unapologetically you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am so excited today to talk to a special guest who is Chandra Sangat. She's actually my sister. And we have come together because recently we have been having a lot of conversations about parenting and the right way to parent and parenting in the Aquarian age. And I wanted to share with you our thoughts and our insights coming from both from me, from an astrological perspective, but also from Chandra and her human design readings and from that perspective as well, and see if we can paint you this beautiful picture of what it really means to actually parent in the Aquarian age. So would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself, Chandra, with our listeners um, and your passions and all that good stuff? (laughs) Yes, thanks, Jai. Uh, Again, I'm Chandra Sangat. And man, um, I love human design because I have had been wanting to be a mom forever and ever. I think I knew I wanted to be a mom when I was like five or six. And I always wanted to be a really, really good mom. So human design, when I discovered it, it it literally just changed my life because it changed the way I saw myself, but it more importantly changed the way I did everything and the way I saw my daughter. So really that's to me, my most important thing is my role on this earth as a mom, as a nurturer, and how I can do it to the best, in the best way possible, which to me means the smoothest, the most harmonious way, and the way that will allow for everyone to be who they are without expecting anything more or less. Mm. Yeah. And you were mentioning something before we started the recording the conversation about when you were a small girl that you were very observant of our parents and that you you always knew that there were certain things that you almost like didn't like about what or how our parents raised us. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Because I thought that was really interesting share. Yeah, I can tell you the story. So I, <laughs> I was remembering that I used to keep a journal <laughs> of the things that I liked that I definitely wanted to do as a mom and the things that I definitely that I saw, you know, mom and dad doing that I was like, oh, for sure, that's a fat no (laughs) and because I didn't want to forget and it's really interesting that I even had that foresight um and that's because so that's very Aquarian too and it is because it's almost like 
you you were always looking into the future and that's something about the Aquarian age and the the energy of Aquarius in terms of the astrology is that it is about looking into the future and how do we make the world a better place and that's really like where I think our this deep desire to like improve or at least yeah make make it better I mean I don't like to use the word improve I think maybe evolve is a better a better term but to change the way we parent and we've been lately having, like I said, a lot of conversations about it because there has been some um, crazy stuff that has come up in, in the world of, of parenting. So I would like to ask you if you could um, share with everyone a little bit about, you know, your experience with your daughter and um, about a year ago, her being diagnosed with type one diabetes and how that um, has affected or even changed your perspective on parenting? Man, um, that's a whole really interesting, complex situation because she's only eight. So it's changed everything in our lives. And a diagnosis like that obviously changes everything regardless of of anything but as far as parenting it did a lot of things to the way the way i i went about what i did and the the most important change to me at least the biggest the the most um dramatic was expectations mm. about everything so because it put health, self-care, and just straight up bodily care, like anywhere from drinking enough water to, you know, having the right smelling conditioner, you know, like all of the facets that it means to be in this human body, that was number one. And everything else was a very, very distant second, very distant second. So it took away all of the pressure. It was a really interesting experience. It took away all of the pressure as a mom in a way. And it also took away all of the pressure that I ever put on, on my daughter, on Julia, because even though my hope has always been to to me to be the best mom is to be the best that I can be so that she can be whoever she wants to be and without me meddling or without me in the middle or without me you know for me to actually support her and actually be there for her so but it all, it made me realize that I still had expectations in, in the relationship. I had expectations. I had more than what I might expect for her to be as a person or her likes and dislikes or any, any of those things. It was a lot of, I had still ideas of what it was going to look like. Mm. And that completely shattered it into a billion pieces and there was 
no way that was ever going to come back. Mm. Not because I was even wanting to try to make it come back, but it was just like an automatic shattering. I can't even explain it. <laughs> so, well, this is, I mean, this is why this is such a powerful conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. So Julia is obviously my niece and we've had conversations about, it's like, what's best for Julia. And we've, we've talked about how what's best for Julia is so not what you would quote unquote say is like the mainstream way, the mainstream ways of raising a child. And both of us have had conversations about, you know, the, the topics that we cover are very kind of esoteric. Like with astrology, you're talking about having a life purpose, right? With your North node, you're talking about having past lives with your South node. You're talking about special gifts that you come into the world with. And then you're talking about karmic lessons that you're here to learn. And then also there's this sort of destiny path that you can choose. And we, and in astrology, we talk about how we choose this life. And so when you look, I think most parents will look at their child and want something for them and have a vision for them. And that's the expectations that you're talking about. And so this situation completely cleaned, cleared the slate of any chance of you raising her in a mainstream way. You know what I mean? And, and, and when you look at it from the higher perspective, and we've talked about this too before, that's actually like the gift that she brings to the world. You know, and so what, so yeah, feel free to share your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's exactly it. I, the situation with a diagnosis like that is really challenging. It was very extreme for me in the moment of being diagnosed because it was scary. The first thing it was, it was scary and it was shocking, but the aftermath is has been a beautiful gift in so many ways to be able to rewrite all of it because <laughs> the beauty of it is because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I already knew that as a parent. I knew that that that's the thing, right? none of us know what's going on none of us know what the future really none of us know what the future holds but I think a lot of parents think that they do and they hold on to that sort of belief system that mom knows best or dad knows best and this is the way we're going to do things I mean I feel like we all kind of have that within us and I think what the experience that you've had is so not from the normal that it has forced you outside of your comfort zone completely, you and, and also the rest of the family as well, because everyone is affected by this, principally Julia, but then everyone in the family has to sort of learn about this new sort of thing that's now in our lives. Um, and it just, it feels like the, the taking you outside of your comfort zone is what has helped you to start to 
find a new way to think about parenting, which pretty much leads us to where we are today. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think because I always had a feeling about this, because I always knew I'm extremely intuitive. I I have a moon in Aquarius. And so that's part of what I was going to say with regard to my story about, you know, what I wanted for the future, because I'm t- that story is from like, I mean, I was doing that little list or big list or <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, like at 10, nine or 10 years old. I mean, I remember I, you know, I remember certain things. Um, so it was, it must have been like around 10, nine or 10 years old. And that is weird, because I don't think I was even I don't think I had my period yet. So it's like I wasn't even a woman to, capable of having children yet physically, but I was already thinking about the way distant future. So mm-hmm. that's that's very interesting. I feel like you 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 were right to say you know I I really resonated with when you said that it it's very aquarian in that sense of thinking about how to make it more about people because at the same time most of the things that I actually wrote down were about how do I allow my kid to be who they are it was always that was always the focus it was always how do I let them be? And the interesting thing, because what I came from, what I kept experiencing was the feeling of, I am not seen. I am not heard. I don't really matter. I am, you know, I, it was very interesting experience for me as a kid, because I've always been super psychic and I've always seen things that a lot of people can't see. I remember at around seven or eight years old, all of a sudden, there were two worlds. It was the reality world that I could see, and then the reality that other people thought was reality. And I remember having thoughts as a kid of people saying certain things or laughing at a certain time and thinking like, do they not see what's really going on here? And I, I didn't, you know, I was very quiet. So I never, <laughs> I never really said anything to anyone, but I just, it was so amazing to me that I thought I could see what was going on. And I feel like I was probably seeing energetic exchanges and people acting against the energetic exchange in a way, in a different way than what seemed like would have been the appropriate energetic response in the situation. So I've always had the, yeah, I've had the experience of adults are just really unaware and I don't want to be that because in that unaware space of adults are unaware, I was completely hidden and disregarded and that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was going to say that I kind of had a similar experience. This actually brings me to the topic of the Enneagram, because mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we knew, we, we heard, and we were studying the Enneagram um, before uh, Julia was diagnosed, right? Uh, with yes, type long, long before that. Yeah. And so we had figured out our own 
like personality types. And so in the Enneagram, you are a type number one and I am a type number four. And when you study the Enneagram, this is when we, when we talk about one of some of the tools as parents that, that are, you're going to have to have, you know, (laughs) is the Enneagram is one of them. Right. And so the, the number one is the very rational, um, logical, um, type and that does see the world in these two sort of dynamics of like what is right and what is wrong and so it's very focused on looking and observing the world and making judgments about what they see and then and you you were doing this at a very young age which is actually like that's why number ones are so independent and and it's hard for the parents it's hard for parents to have very independent children because that's when the, then that creates power struggles. And that's why I think number ones have a really hard time growing up because it's like they see something that the parent doesn't see. And then it creates this like tension for me. And so you were much more outspoken, right? As we were At growing some up. point, I feel like um, early, early, early on, it was a very interesting experience because I think because I was independent, it was probably hard for our parents, but also not because I was always left because I was like the responsible one and the independent one. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, just, they defaulted. Yes. The default was, yeah. well, she can take care of herself. So I, f- I always felt like they were taking care or dealing with or managing you and Charlie. Mm -hmm. And And that was an interesting, it was just an energetic thing. And so Mm -hmm. because I was so independent, I was always really quiet and observant. So I may have been feeling a lot of things. And that I think has a lot to do with my moon being in Aquarius and um, having so many aspects in Libra, big planets and Astellium in Libra, that made me really detached. And in the moment of wanting to, the energy to be very harmonious, I knew that if I exerted any sort of personality or just energy in 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 the exchange it would have not been great for me um because there would have been a backlash because it would have just added to the quote-unquote problems and so I just always kept everything to myself when I was a kid yeah when I was really little at some point though in high school, mainly, I remember being extremely outspoken, but I think I was in the space of anger. Mm, and just the, the, that's the vice, I think, of the one. Yes. The yes, anger. exactly. Like falling into anger instead of like processing and working through things. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just there was no other there was nowhere else for it to go because I was doing the harmony thing at school with my friends. So at home, um, I I only had so much of that. You, to give. The, you had to be on the defense like we all yes. did. So my my experience of right. So you have your own personality and you experience our childhood in that way. Yes, I, exactly. My, so my personality is on the Enneagram type number four, which is the individualist, which is a feeling type. So the one is like the thinking type, I believe. 
And then the four is the feeling type. And so for me, my world revolves around uh, my feelings. And the number fours tend to be, although anyone on the Enneagram can be uh, empath and sensitive, but I think the number fours naturally or generally tend to be really sensitive or maybe extra sensitive to everything that's going on around them. And on top of that, they tend to, when things get too intense, they check out. And so my, my experience of it, it was like, I went into my own world. I, I was not like speaking up for myself. I, n- I never did that. I, I went to hide and I, and also we'll get into a little bit of the human design, but right now let's just stick to the Enneagram. But I wanted to, for me, it was like hiding and going into my own little world was m- my way of dealing with, let's call it um, parents who were unaware of the effect of their parenting on their children. Cause that's really what we're talking about. Like what, what we're really getting at is the fact that most parents that we've, you know, I think our generation, right? Like the millennial generation and beyond, I think we're much more aware of what's going on around us. Like we we're like the antennas. And so we have to know we have, we're so, we're so tapped in like Abraham says, you know, tuned in, tapped in, turned on, and we can't turn it off. And so we're like in this constant, like getting two different messages. It's like, you're getting this message from your parents, but then you're getting this message from your intuitive self and they don't match. And you're trying to come up, but you don't know that that's what it is. And so you're super confused as a child. And then your parents are trying to like, they, they react to behaviors and outcomes instead of like actually studying you as a person and understanding how you function. And so the, and then, so they force things that they think are going to make you a better child or like a better person or whatever. And it ends up really backfiring because they just have no idea that that's actually making it worse. I think it's very interesting what you're talking about, because it makes me think of, I, I totally agree with everything, but I think the experience of a particular type of parent matters. So we had a a type three mom and a type two dad. So I think that also really highlights what being a child of a type three is like. It's the parent imposing whatever it is they want to impose on because it will be better than I don't know what, but the whole point of it is we'll give a little better and more successful and better looking. And, you know, it, it's uh, socially acceptable, but more than that. And then we had a type two dad, which the type two is the helper. So it was just, it was a very intense type three experience because we had a very strong type three and a type two who just wanted to help. So it just all funneled into the three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say like to give a little synopsis of those two different types because people might be listening like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. Mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, you just did that. You, you explained the type three, which is the, um, the motivator, and what they and, and and what they really care about is success. 
they care about their image a lot. And so that's going to bleed. So that was our mother. So that's going to bleed into like, I care about my image. So my family is my image. And so the family has to fit this role, even though everybody's a different type. <laughs> we literally are all no, none. There's no like repeat types, right? Mm. We're all a different type. So we're very, very different. And so, and then you had, of course, our dad, who was the type two, which is the helper trying to just kind of do whatever he could um, to be in that crazy, because the three is intense energy. And I, and I understand the three energy too, because every, everyone in the Enneagram has a wing of the one before the number before the type before or the type after. So I am a four, but I have a three wing. So my three wing is very strong and very expressive because I had a parent, we had a parent that was a type three. So that takes us to the next kind of little phase of this conversation is that you you when we figured out like who what our type was we literally had to peel away what we were not i mean that's part of the healing process of anyone whether you know the enneagram or not like you start you have to peel away who you are not so that you can actually see who you are and then what what's left there is that can be you know added to explored more allowed to flourish and so what we automatic what automatically happens when you have parents that are unaware of how they are affecting other people around them their personality types then what happens is they basically are teaching especially when they're in the dysfunctional expression of that type that to the kids and so we learned the very dysfunctional three energy and the very dysfunctional type two energy, you know? And so it's like this conglomeration. And so like, that's why I think we've had such a challenging time peeling away the layers and we've had to take time off from each other, from other family members. I mean, it's like, it's heavy. Like we're talking and we're having a conversation, but it is not an easy process to like uncover who you are. No, it has been really intense for all of us, uh, for everyone involved. Family is interesting that way, but I think it really goes to the, the, the topic of the conversation, which is parenting in the Aquarian age and Aquarian parenting. Because the other thing that I, that I thought about, as I was saying, is we experienced certain things and the reason why i kept that list was because we kept being taught by people who were even unaware of themselves exactly so the first thing that i knew was how i didn't want to be as a parent and then as I got older because that was a very very young little kid thing to think it was a it was a really idealistic way to look at things too I mean that you know it was a little kid type of thought but as I got older what I recognized and what I realized was that I needed to know who I was in order to be whoever I wanted to be as a mom. Mm -hmm. And there was so much untangling to be done mm -hmm. 
there in in there and there still is which is i think brings us right back to the beginning where we were talking about how it just the the situation with with my daughter shattered everything because there was still so much to untangle and uncover and clean up and tidy up um in yeah. in me in order to be the best me that I could be and I think that's you know that was the gift that I received from that situation that I continue to receive because as we go along it's it's building whatever it is as we go along it's a very much in the moment process and I actually really like that and I would never have known that if I didn't go through that situation, because the type one is a person who likes to be in control of their surroundings, a person who likes to, they don't like to be wrong. So they like to be in control and they like, well, I like to uh, have plans for things because that's the way I can control the future. And I would never have experienced such such the freedom that you get from being in the moment mm. and being that is that is me going toward my my very functional side of the type one which is going to this the seven and it's more in the moment and and jovial and expressive and i was in in the dysfunctional uh for the one going toward the four is dysfunctional because you go to the one goes to the irrational not not the beauty of the type four but it goes to the irrational emotionally reactive mm. part and mm. so this experience has taken me from I was already getting there on my own because I had known that this is what it is because I know about the Enneagram. I knew for many years, I actually found the Enneagram a really long time ago and I didn't actually get into it until you and I got into it. But I had known about the Enneagram for a really, really long time, many years before. Wow. And um, so I knew what I needed to do to be more functional, to be more relaxed, to be less controlling, to be less angry, to be less of the things that make us feel bad, basically. And so I was already heading in that direction because as a one, the other cool thing that ones do is they they can come up with a plan and they just know how to get there they they just it's just really easy the logistics are are uh, a strength so i could come up i i basically came up with a plan in in my head of of things i needed to work on in myself to be more in the functional type one but then this experience changed everything and it it forced me to be in the moment so outside of my head it actually gave me the gift of being a functional one because mm. I couldn't be in my head there was no way because I needed to be more in my body and that's the thing with the eights the nines and the ones are the gut intuitive type so 
I needed to be more that and I had forgotten because I knew how to do that when I was really, really young, really young, maybe five or six, seven. But once I got to eight, nine, ten, that was it. I couldn't do that anymore because doing that caused issues for me and with an open solar plexus and human design, that was just a whole nother ball of wax that we can get into. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, the experience just made it, it was this beautiful opportunity to, for me to be more me and for me to help my daughter be more her. And that is such a beautiful point right there. When you said that, I was like, that's Aquarian parenting. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's letting go of the expectations. It's not trying to do anything, but literally being in the moment and taking it day by day. I mean, like, whoa, that's like, okay, first major point, right? That we're trying yeah. to make here that just kind of came out. And I was going to say also too about the the Enneagram and the type four, it's interesting because the type four is in the dysfunction of the type four is to be lost in the emotional world and, and then to be lost in the insecurity of like, so the dysfunction of the four is I want to be different. I want to be unique. I want to be seen. Um, and so what the, what the fours will do is they'll actually distance themselves from people emotionally. They'll put walls and barriers and all this stuff and they'll distance themselves because they want to be different. And then they'll complain that they don't have any friends or something or like, you know what I mean? So like, but the funny thing about the four is that when they sort of upgrade, I guess that's a way to put it, they move towards the one because what happens is they have to organize themselves in a way that that is not out of control. You got to you got to get you got to get all of that beautiful creative energy and when you are when you own it it's like the when the four steps into ownership of who they are then they're like okay, I got this. Now I have these like standards of being and, and now I know my limits and now I know who I am and who I'm not. And I have a confidence that makes me act more like a one where I'm organized. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I have, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's really amazing how just, just with the Enneagram, how much information you can get. And so that's where I've, I've gotten to that place on my own, in my own journey. And, um, and that kind of, you know, leads us into talking a little bit about human design, because one of the things I did want to share in this conversation is there's so many tools that you can use in the Aquarian age, the age that we're, we're totally in. Um, and really all you need is an open mind because that's what Aquarius is. It's having an open mind and being like, you know what? Maybe I don't know all, maybe I don't know it all. And that's okay. And I think that's the difference. That's the main like switch that parents need to make. But I do believe that the people, the kids, you know, our age and and younger, they come knowing that like, there's just an awareness of that, that the old, the the baby boomers, they don't have that. Right. I mean, there are, there are a few, right. I'm not saying all baby boomers are like 
not in that space, but a lot of them are. And um, what's her name? Teal Swan. She talks about like the millennials and the baby boomers. She, she has a really uh, beautiful uh, video on YouTube that talks about what the problem is with the millennials and all this stuff. And so she kind of explains the relationship between the parents of millennials and millennials and like the toxic cycle that they have been put into. And really we came here to change the world, but it's like, we got stuck because we were literally set up to fail. And I think that's the reason why we're, we're having, we're having these conversations because this is, we're, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. This is really funny because the way <laughs> as, as a type one, I like to be really organized because I like to set myself up for success. And that's how we talk about things with my daughter. And it's really funny because the other day she was getting ready to do her homework and she said, well, let me get myself ready for, let me set myself up for success here. And then she (laughs) organized her desk and cleaned it up and made it ready for, so she could focus on the activity at hand. And that's a very type one way of approaching life. But it's a good for for to learn. (laughs) It's that phrase is hilarious because we use it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. So let's talk a little bit about, we've talked kind of a lot about the Enneagram. I want to talk about some of the other tools that I, that we have come to use or realize or be, you know, exposed to and inspired by for parenting in the Aquarian age. And the other tool I want to use is the human design or I want to talk about is human design. So will you tell us a little bit about how you got into human design? You know, what, what was your, what was the inspiration there and how it's helped you with parenting? I think I, I come into all of the things that I, that I come into for some reason, I seem to be like the generally for a lot of the things that uh in our family we have looked at i for some reason they come into my 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 mind space first or maybe they come into all our mind spaces but i start talking about it first for whatever reason and um human design came into my life not too long ago i mean in the grand scheme of things Um, maybe a couple of years ago. And it was really just sort of in the back of my mind for a while until I took a course, a training course last year, and I learned a lot about myself. I think one of the things that we, that what what you were saying about the millennials and the younger generations with the, the, the knowing is, we come in with an an intense amount of curiosity. I think we come in with a different understanding of the life experience that we have on earth. We, it's like, we know that we're not just human. And so, and something I just want to add real quick to that. I don't want to forget it is that, and the, our kids come with more of that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, and so the big thing that I think for me has, has led to all of these things and to coming into coming to human design is my desire to know myself. Mm. It is, it is so powerful. It drives everything that I do 
everything that I think about and everything that I do is driven by my very strong desire to know all of the pieces of me, everything emotionally, mentally, physically. It's very, very strong. That's a very similar thing that I found with astrology. It was like, I want to know, I need to know who I am, you know, but that's a, that's a four thing too. But I think it's like an Aquarian age thing because the Aquarian age is about like the individualist too, like the, the, like being unique, but also like being a part of a whole. Yeah. So that, I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it also, if we, if we're tying it all together, it, it has a lot to do with my very strong Sagittarius placements and the way they work together with the Aquarius and, and the Libra in my chart. Mm-hmm. Um, because like the four, which is on, on in many ways on, in a search for identity. Um, I also, my daughter is a Sagittarius rising, which is also the search for identity in so and many ways. I don't think you've said it, but w- did we say that she is also a four in the Enneagram? Yes, yes. I don't did think we, we have that? said it. That. <laughs> so, so that's so in. So here's the thing about Aquarian parenting: once we realize who we were, we're like, okay, well, what is she, and what yes. is he, and how do we interact with each? And this is where the relationship aspect of parenting comes in, because really, you are the parent. But it's really like a relationship with another human being who makes their own choices, who lives in a free will universe, who doesn't need you to tell them what to do, but needs you to hold space for them to become the best they can be in their own way. Yes. And that is something I was going to mention is that the reason why you and I probably had a very intense reawakening is because we had to do so much unlearning because no one was there to hold space for who we were. So what I learned of myself as a one and my daughter as a four and and having you as my sister as a four and the way our parents were and the way they weren't is that what I needed to do was to help her have all of the emotions to not suppress any of them, to provide a safe emotional space, also safe physical space, but, you know, very cozy, harmonious home as much as it could possibly be under whatever circumstances we are in at any given moment, but to hold space for all of that emotional learning, because that is her strength. To know the depth of all of that will give her so much more power when she's older and does come into her own and does come into the more type one elevated upgraded self. And so here's the question. Would your parenting be different if she was a different type on the Enneagram? Yes and no. Yes, because it would require different things. But no, because the whole point of it is that I will do whatever my kid needs. But it's so that's that's the basis. It's like, it's like, you're right. Yes and no. It's, it's you, you're approaching it with the same open mind. And you're catering it to what they need. And yeah. that's Aquarian parenting. 
And, and I think another huge part of it with that curiosity is the, is the realization that like, come on, like recognize, you know, if you're a parent, recognize the beauty of being in this earth space with that other amazing human. Mm, I love that. It's yeah. It's like, yeah, the, dude, there really are no words, but like, that's exactly right. It's you don't own your child. And that is a very, I mean, we grew up with like, we were owned, right? We were like property. <laughs> I mean, to put it mildly, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's uh. rough. And that was rough. And so, I mean, if you look at what's happening now, it's like, well, that's the result of like, when you really approach it, approach parenting so freaking aggressively, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, not the best for certain personalities. Well, it's not really the best for anyone, but we are, par our, the way that we were parented were, was very aggressive. And so it caused like so much pain. And it's so funny because even though like from maybe from our parents' perspective, they will not see it this way. You know, they'll have a different idea of like the whole dynamic of it. And they'll hear us maybe talking about it and be like, we were ne we weren't that bad. We didn't, you know what I mean? We didn't, we didn't like hurt you. We didn't like, you know what I mean? So they'll have, it's like, they'll have a different standard or different idea of what's right and what's wrong and what's allowed and what's not allowed. And I think that for us to both of us go through our own dark night of the soul and spiritual awakening or, and our Saturn return in terms of astrology, which is a very maturing cycle in everyone's life that happens around 29 years old for us to go through our own like dark nights of the soul and then come out on the other side and understand everything from a different perspective. It's not easy but it is something that has to be done in order to really, truly hold space for another human being to thrive on this planet. And you got to have a really big perspective to see that. Yeah, it needs to be a huge perspective. It needs to be the most humble perspective because in the end, it's having awe and having respect for the beauty of being in the presence of another human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's yeah. what it is. Yes, we made them in a sense, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and now they get, they chose this and that's incredible. Right? Yeah. It's like, how did I get so lucky? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. just that perspective. That's Aquarian parenting. And you realize that when you allow, when you, when you water a flower or, you know, when you water a seed and you let it become whatever flower or whatever plant it's supposed to become and you just like, you just love it as it's growing, it's going to become the most beautiful it can be in its own way. And that's Aquarian parenting. And yeah. there's, there's actually there we're giving you we're I mean, we're giving you at least the tools that we have used. And we're, we're hopefully getting the point across that like, 
in order to to really hold space like aquarian parenting is really about holding space for other human beings and learning the best way that you interact with them too so knowing who they are knowing knowing your own self so knowing your own astrology knowing your own enneagram type knowing your own human design knowing your child's astrology enneagram and human design all of these things are a must I mean, this is why these tools exist. Mm. And I have, you know, and I have seen and realized the power of using these tools in basically helping in the whole process of growth and evolution and all of that. I think another thing that's really at the basis of this conversation is that all of those tools require a person to witness the beauty and the gift in the other person Mm -hmm. and not that is nowhere near it doesn't even compute that there is anything wrong or that there is anything to change Mm, I love or that. that there is anything to do at all mm-hmm. that there is anything to do at all mm-hmm. and 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 one more thing that I the reason I think at minimum these three tools are required is that they each provide a huge different part of the picture because and I think we can get into the whole human design thing is you and I have an open solar plexus whereas my daughter does not so the way our childhood was when you have an open solar plexus in human design you basically absorb and amplify the emotions around you and so we were absorbing and amplifying in each of in our unique ways all of the gnarliness that was going on around us especially the gnarliness that wasn't being acknowledged because and if our parents had known maybe they would have acted differently around us well at the very least they could have said the way i speak with my daughter is i am having an emotion right now this is my emotion and you are not responsible for other people's emotions. You cannot be expected to be responsible for other people's emotions. Sometimes you can't even be expected to be responsible for your own. And that's the way I talk about those things with her. But that has come out of why all of the intense gnarliness that we experienced with an open solar plexus it's one of the main reasons why we are so empathic we feel Mm. everything especially the people who are the least expressive because they're either repressing a whole lot or they're or they're just totally unaware of everything that's going on underneath and we're just sitting there like are you serious like how do you not how do you how are you not like hysterically crying right now because I feel like hysterically crying right now and Mm -hmm. I'm and I have you know like it's just a really strong empathic Mm -hmm. sense whereas Julia has a closed or defined solar plexus which means that her decision making power is is different so when you when you're looking at parenting 
in the Aquarian age in the sense of human design, the open versus closed solar plexus is really important. So for the open so or undefined solar plexus, you want to make sure that you're not just barfing your emotions on your kid mm. because they're going to absorb them regardless. So yeah. at least you want to announce that you're having an emotion and that it it isn't them and it isn't who they are. They're just feeling it because they have a gift. And, and it's magnified for them. Yes. But with a closed solar plexus, you look at a different aspect for the decision-making power. But the thing that you look at with a closed solar, solar plexus is that they're the type of kid where they, the, anyone actually with a closed solar plexus, not just children, but we're talking about parenting, will need to go through the emotional wave in order to know what it is that they feel about a thing, a decision, an event, a person. So the question is always, is it a yes or a no? It's always, that's the question for everything, right? Is this a yes or a no in so many ways? And for a person with a, with a defined solar plexus, it's an emotional guidance system, but they have to get to the end of the wave to know what it is. So it's a very much in the moment existence because they're always feeling something, but it's their own emotion. It's not anyone else's emotion because they're not absorbing it the way people with an open solar plexus have. But they're like, the kid that really, really wanted that really cool bike because they were so excited and they get it because the parents like, oh yeah, that's, yes, they looked like they really, really want it. And then the next day they're like, uh, I don't really want it anymore because they were on an emotional high at the moment and they needed to ride out the wave until later and so they could actually know what they really felt about the bike How, wow, was it a yes or a no that's fascinating because i actually yeah. didn't know that so wow yeah that's really interesting and like you can see like i mean that's just one center of that's one and there are many and that's just one tiny aspect of that particular exactly. center exactly so yeah, yeah totally um, that is, that is a really, really good point, um, to make in terms of the, you know, how this is complex. Like this isn't easy. That's, that's the thing. We're also like, we're figuring this out as we go, like, but when you create that space and maybe we can maybe close with this is like, when you create that sacred space for a child to be themselves, when you observe them enough to realize how they function, what their gifts are, what, how they express their shadows, you know, what is, what is their, um, astrology type, how the aspects in their chart are going to, you know, affect themselves and them, them in their own self, and then how they're going to express their emotions and express their deepest desires and, and how, what's going to drive them in life. Cause that's astrology. Like that tells you all of those things, you know, where their passion is at, what they, 
what, what, what their gifts are, what's their destiny, what's their mission, what's going to make them feel more fulfilled in life. And then at the same time, how they process and interact with the world, human design, and how they make decisions. And then their Enneagram type, which is what their basic belief system is about the world, which will color the way that they behave in general, but then also they relate with other people. I mean, we're not talking about like a simple thing, but <laughs> we are learning this as we go. And ima so, but imagine the world, think further. This is Aquarian age. Think into the future when our children are raised in this Aquarian age parenting, open-minded, a place for learning, a place for awakening, a place for being who you are. There's no right, there's no wrong. There's only like learning the optimal you. Can you imagine when they become parents? How, you know what I mean? It's like the potential of getting to that place. If I can add a little bit of like the ascension of the earth, you know, if we can go a little bit further out and the ascension of the planet, the evolution of humanity as a race in comparison to other galactic families, right? The, the help that the earth is, you know, being watched by the galactic federation and the Pleiades and the Orions and the Syrians and the Arcturians and the Lyrans. And it's like all of these amazing cultures and, and beings from other planets and other galaxies that have gone through this process of ascension in, in terms of humanity or in terms of a race are, are here to help us it's like this is what it's all about and that's really like okay that's looking like way into the future but it's not really that far away we have literally entered into a whole new energy especially with that saturn jupiter conjunction in aquarius like a whole new world and so we are the initiate that like the initiaries of the, the these energies we 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 chose to come here as star seed light workers people on a mission to usher in the aquarian age and it, and and you can't talk i mean i love helping people individually because that's my passion i want to help the adult version who needs to go through the process of healing that we went through right and we could we will continue to go through because it's an ongoing shedding and releasing i love to work with people individually and but you cannot acknowledge the fact that this has everything to do with what we also teach our children and how we raise our children and how we parent our children like it has everything to do with that and so that's why i'm so glad that we we were able to to get together and have this conversation and share this you know this podcast episode to at least help people like expand their mind a little bit about what parenting really is and what it's not you know yeah because at the very least at the very very bottom of of the pyramid which is the biggest part of the pyramid it's more fun way more and if we're not having fun then what are we doing boom Duh. that's it right there that's it we're done <laughs> that's wow like i love that if we're not having fun what's the point and you're right like we didn't come here to like be all stressed out and all this stuff we like we were just born into a system of stress and we're trying to like unlearn that system so we can become 
manifestors so we can become anchors of the light so we can become anchors of all nine dimensions so we can return to joy return to passion return to creativity return to love so we can be all those things and experience all those things which is what we were really truly meant to experience here on planet earth so wow there you go <laughs> so I want to say thank you so much, Chandra, for, for coming onto the podcast and sharing your thoughts and your experience. And I really hope that this was an enlightening conversation for everyone. Um, you can, will you let everyone know where they can reach you, get a human design reading, all that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Jai. Thanks for having me. This is my passion is to talk about parenting. I love it. Um, and you know this. <laughs> I talk about it every day. But uh, I do human design readings and I do parenting, uh, quantum alignment parenting readings, which are human design readings for parents and their children. And you can find them on my website, which is chandrasangat.com. Amazing. And then you also just released uh, the these oils goddess oils will you let them know about that too because yes, absolutely. i mean there's so many tools i mean that's a whole another level of tools but oh yeah. man essential oils are so incredibly powerful i have experienced them myself in my own healing and especially with human design if i can also plug that in a little bit more uh, there are particular centers and if they're defined or not, you can, you can decide whether, what type of health uh, issues might come up as, as the person grows and, and, you know, becomes an adult in all the stages, but also what are the best ways to heal from any given thing? And, and that's where the essential oils come in. And I have just released the line of goddess Isis oils, which are for love and fertility, and they are amazing. So you can also get those at my website, chandrasangat.com. Beautiful. And we'll link that to the description of this podcast. So again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. And we hope that everyone enjoyed uh, this conversation. And we hope to see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel for Grace Uncut podcast. If you loved this episode and this podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on MeWe and YouTube as at Channel for Grace, and you can discover a world of amazing offerings on my website. If you want to learn astrology, if you want to learn about what it means to discover your inner sacred feminine, if you're curious about how the current astrology is affecting you, if you want a private astrology reading, compatibility or tarot oracle readings, and if you're looking for sweet handmade zodiac themed jewelry and other designs, go to my website www.channelforgrace.guru. I will see you again on our next episode. Mm -hmm.